Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Take Two Radio. We are pleased to bring you interviews with people in the entertainment and music industry, discussions and recaps of the four remaining daytime soaps, that's The Bold and the Beautiful, The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and Days of Our Lives, as well as various other shows. For upcoming and previous shows, check Take2Radio.com, that's with the number two, and you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and other streaming apps. Follow us on social media at Take2Radio, and thanks for listening. And good evening, everyone, and welcome to Take2Radio. Today's a Tuesday, and it feels weird to be here on a Tuesday. How about it, gang? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean we always do a we always do a Thursday show and uh once in a while we'll do a Tuesday show. It just depends on what we got going on. But it's been a while, so but tonight we are so very pleased to have with us our special guest. He's a former UC Santa Barbara star basketball player, philanthropist. Boy, did I just mess that up. Philanthropist <laughs> Speaker, that's, I need some technique there with speaker, and now an established and inspiring author who has released his new YA book, Darling, You're Not Alone. We'll also discuss his letter writing campaign called You're Not Alone, and his first book, Moonflower, as well as his new book, Darling, You're Not Alone, are both available for purchase now. Please welcome J.D. Slacker. Hello, hey, it's such a uh, such a pleasure to be here, guys. Thank you for that lovely, warm introduction. I mean, I I got to admit, I occasionally trip over philanthropists myself, so I wouldn't <laughs> take that uh, personally. Yeah, there's just some of those words sometimes that you just like. Oh, why do we even have to have these? Can we do a simple <laughs> word? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A you little know? simpler version. No, I uh, I get it. But hey, I, it's a pleasure to be on the broadcast with you guys. You have an incredible uh, show. You've had some incredible listeners, and I feel uh, very privileged to be a part of that uh, that group of guests. So thank you, guys. Oh, my oh, gosh. Welcome. Thank you. It's, you're so sweet to say that. We really appreciate it. We work hard here at Take Two Radio, so <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, it does not go unnoticed by me. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Well, well, we're really, really glad to have you here. Yes. And I am Pam, <laughs> the host, and we have David, and we have Anthony, and we have Candace. So we're all going to be grilling you, if that's okay. Oh, tremendous, tremendous. I'm ready. <laughs> Bring it on. Okay, great. Well, you were a star basketball player, as I mentioned, in college when you started writing your first book, Moonflower. Did you always have a book inside you, so to speak, or where did this idea come from? Uh, it's a great question. I mean, it's one I get a lot as well. And to be honest, the short answer is not at all. Um, I was not someone who, you know, was taking school and academics very seriously for that matter. And, um, sports was sort of the, uh, the thing I hung my hat on as a, as a young person. Um, and, you know, I just kind of got through school just, just to play basketball. You know, I sort of got away with doing the bare minimum, uh, in order to continue playing for as long as I could. But, you know, what really started to happen was. Um, I was always a reader and I was always someone who had books with him and, you know, being a division one athlete, you spend so much time on the road, traveling the country, going from Texas to, you know, I live in California. So I was going to Texas to Alaska to, you know, the East coast and you play all these games and you spend all these times in buses and airports and planes. And um, I was just reading constantly. And it kind of was like a form of meditation, you know, to me in a way mm-hmm. where, I was sort of stepping out of that, like, macho bravado of, of basketball and, and just entering this, this softer side of, of just writing and fiction and living in these stories. 
Uh, and I'll never forget it. I remember the moment like it was yesterday when I was sitting in the Denver airport awaiting maybe my 15th connecting flight. And uh, oh. I was reading this book that I swore was, you know, it was a terrific novel and I don't want to take anything away from the author, but I just remember reading it and it was this sort of best-selling book at the time and thinking, you know, I was 21 at the time and thinking, uh, I, I feel like I have a, I have a better story than this. And I think the athlete in me kind of came out where I said, well, the only person I can blame is myself if I don't actually act on that thought. And, uh, yeah, I started writing and here I am, you know, seven, eight years later from that moment on my second book. So yeah, it was a very pivotal kind of, kind of understanding I came to. So. Well, you know, not everybody can do that because I've been a reader all my life as well. I've read thousands of books and, you know, thought to myself at one time or another, I think I could probably write a book. But then you sit down and you write a couple sentences and you're like, okay, now what? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, so, sure. so I do think that book was inside you or a book was inside you without you even yeah. knowing it. And it just all of a sudden popped out and said, here I am, come get me. And you did. <laughs> right, 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 right. So bravo. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, yeah, I, I think – I think, you know, and a part of my story, to be honest, is uh, is that sort of naivete or that, that non-perfectionist. Like, like I, I often tell people if I had been someone that writing really seriously and I was sort of a grammar uh, hound, I probably would have never finished my first book. Like, I think it took me, you know, I had some of that, that ignorance is bliss going on where um, I was, I was wasn't using the, the best vocabulary in the world or I wasn't uh, putting together the, the cleanest sentences, but I just kept grinding away at that first draft. And all of a sudden uh, I had a book and I just kind of, you know, use that sort of like they say a lot of writers are sort of stubborn in that way where they just push on no matter what. And uh, I had that trait always in me. So mm-hmm. I think that matched uh, the storytelling side of my life. So. Yeah. And what, some people may not know because I know you've done quite a few interviews, but maybe they didn't listen yet until they got to us. Um, <laughs> you you wrote your book. You in, you hand wrote your book, and that was like what. I couldn't believe that I was reading that because it said like there's 400 pages, and I know because I read the book. But you <laughs> hand wrote it. That blows my mind in this day and age yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm a very i'm very old school uh in that way and and you know it's something i uh I, i'm very passionate about and you know what's funny is the people i work with uh really dislike that that part of my of my process and, <laughs> and are very uh have, have large issues with that and i think when, when you know when it came to my first novel moonflower um that was quickly something that people you know, editors, managers, and agents and publishers sort of explain like, hey, you can't really do that anymore because that's such an inconvenient process. But once I wrote my second, Darling, You're Not Alone, and hand wrote it as well, they sort of all backed off and said, look, I guess this is just how you do it, and we're going to allow you to explore this creatively, and, you know, don't let us tell you otherwise anymore. So, yeah, it's kind of become my thing, and I think uh, I love it. I mean, it's so it's so meditative. It's so freeing, and uh, something that I I really is like my favorite part of the entire process. And um, yeah, I guess I'm just I guess I'm just sort of old school that way. That I love handwriting. Is you, is your handwriting at least legible so they like get through it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it is my handwriting legible? Um, <laughs> I wish I could show you. I have some of it in front of me right now. It, it, I'd say it, I'm looking down at it to, to consult here. I think it looks pretty good. I've been told I have really poor ease, um, but other than my ease, I think, it's, I think it's okay. Okay. Well, see, that helps then because, you know, when you pass it on to somebody to read it, like an editor or that, right. you want them right. to understand all the words yeah. that are on that sure. page, you know. <laughs> Sure, sure, sure. No, that would be catastrophic if they couldn't read it. Then I'm yeah. not sure I'd, I'd I'd have made it this far. You would be spending a lot of time on the phone reading your book to them. Right, 
Right. No. no, that's true. That is true. <laughs> so, as I said, I did read your book, Darling, You're Not Alone, and I have to say the oh. story is very emotional. Uh, wow, I, I, love, just, I love to hear that. I'm telling you, I, I can't even tell you. I cried how many times I would have to put the book down for a minute to comprehend and think in what I was reading and how I was feeling. And as a reader, and I'm sure other people that have read the book, they feel the main character, Phoenix's pain so deeply, and you can't help but root for him. Mm. Um, mm. I, I won't say too much because I don't want to spoil it for others who haven't read it yet, but I love that in the end, just so people don't get scared to read it, he does find happiness, but not only happiness, he finds peace and faith. And mm. I'm wondering, since this is a base is based on a true story, was it cathartic for you to write it? Uh, you know, it it uh, it was an incredibly cathartic novel to write. I mean, it, so the the some of the ideas were sort of taken from experiences I'd had, but I'd say the novel itself wasn't based entirely on a true mm-hmm. story. It was more sort right. of you know just a combination of different things. But mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you enjoyed. Uh, the read. I mean, I think it is one that is a very emotional book and, and one that does take readers through some, you know, some very dark experiences. And, and right. I think, unfortunately, very real experiences yes. that a lot of our country are thinking about. And that is, you know, gun violence as it pertains to school shootings. And um, that was something I wanted to write about in a way that um, did, did, you know, provide some uh, context and opportunity to speak on the regularity with which these these events occur, but um, I also, you know, as you mentioned, you know, so beautifully yourself was I attempted to really, you know, kind of uh, combine that with a, what I hoped was a very hopeful and 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 mm-hmm. optimistic view on the world despite this catastrophe, because that is how I sort of think of humanity as it exists, right? It's like if something as bad as a school shooting can happen that I think there really has, there really does exist something so beautiful and hopeful on the other side of that. Um, but maybe it's, maybe it's more hidden. Maybe it's not something that exists in a, you know, as overtly and, and as a broadcasted as frequently as, you know, news channels and other networks do with, with terrible tragedy in, in the world. And I wanted to sort of combine a story that, that took that concept and, uh, and, and explored it. And yeah, Phoenix is, uh, a character I'm very, I'm very impartial to. I've, I spent years of my life writing about him and working with him, and I feel like he's a real person, you know. I yeah. Just, uh, yeah. I would do, I would do anything for yeah. my kid, and um, but I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to read the book, and I'm glad, I'm really glad it meant something to you. That's that's very special to me to hear. Yeah, I I highly recommend for people to read it, especially because it's factual in so many ways with, you said, with the school shootings and stuff like that. We need hope. We need hope in our yeah, life. Absolutely. And, absolutely. and I, I think this book gives you hope. So I highly recommend people read it. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think just to speak on that too, if I may, I, I, I think, you know, books do take so long to create and to work on. And there's so many levels you have to sort of overcome that, you know, I don't want to speak for other authors, but to me personally, like I don't imagine myself in my career writing any book that doesn't have some impactful real world uh, element. And like, you know, my first book was inspired by my friend who had sickle cell disease. So that was a very real topic for me to write about. And then this book, you know, as we've already said, talks about school shootings and gun violence and that was something I wanted to write and talk about so I think you know wherever my story leads to next um, I I imagine it will be you know surrounding the the topic of something that I I feel like is worth bringing a story into the world for that reason right yeah and I think that's what we need. I mean, it's great to have escapism and watch, you know, a Christmas movie or a soap opera like we all do here, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I was able to gather that, and that, that was very uh, very heartwarming for sure. <laughs> well, they can get um, really real at times too, though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. you know, 
soap operas too, like, you know, they are escapism for us, but they there is reality put into uh, some of the episodes as well. So, you know, it makes you pay attention a little bit more and it gives you a little bit more uh, information about what's going out in the world if you don't pay attention to the news, like I kind of quit mm. doing because mm. it is so dark all the time. So you need sure. other outlets sure. to find your happy and your hope and your peace and so forth. And books yeah, are a great way to do it. 100%. And one, I think books too, they get very personal. Like I actually had this thought I was driving. I have most of my thoughts while I'm driving, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, I sort of occurred to me that, you know, in, in the arts, how movies are often taken in around family or friends, TV shows, family and friends, art in museums is something you're, you know, you visit with a, a friend or a family, but for, you know, books, that's a one-to-one between you right. and the author and the, the person reading it. And mm-hmm. that fascinated me. I don't know if there's many things like music is another one that I think people listen to alone, but they also hear musicians perform in front of thousands of people together. And, but the book is, 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 it's interesting in that way that it's, it is so personal. It's almost like just a conversation between you and the author. And uh, I take that very, uh, I take that responsibility very seriously. And so, yeah, I write about things that I think are worth discussing on a show like this and talking about and saying, Hey, this is, this is a, this is a wild part of our world that I think um, needs to be discussed. Yes, absolutely. Well, speaking of personal, your letter writing campaign, You're Not Alone, is very inspirational and a fantastic idea. I just absolutely love it. And I'm going to be writing some of my own letters after reading (laughs) your book, mind you. Um, I love that. I love that. I've never been a journal person or or anything like that. And I, I think when I was younger, you wrote a couple letters, but that was what you did when I was younger. You know, it's not like yeah. today where you just text somebody. You basically don't even call them on the phone anymore. And And letters are so personal. And you have that, and it makes such a difference to have that in your hand and read it. It's like those those letters and words jump out at you and impact you more to me. Totally, totally. It, I mean, it, it almost go, it almost sort of is in lockstep with the idea of an author writing a book. It's mm-hmm. like a own little personal book to someone and a story to themselves because yep. it, it contains your handwritten characters and like the imperfections. I mean, if any of you guys ever get a letter from me, you'll know exactly it's from me because my E's are so terrible. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> that's those little trademarks and and little. Um, you know, kind of individual, individualistic ideas kind of contain themselves in these letters, and they're very personal. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I write letters to friends all the time. So the You Are Not Alone letter writing campaign is, is um, the sort of nonfiction uh, kind of movement I'm hoping to inspire, be, you know, in after people read Darling, You're Not Alone, to hopefully say, hey, take a second to now write a letter to your person, to your mom, mm-hmm. to your brother, to your friend. And all I ask is that you just start it with the first sentence. You're not alone. And I think the power in, in letting people know that uh, is unbelievable. And again, I, I, I'm a firm believer in the idea that, you know, we, we talk about how these, there's these endless ripple effects of when bad things happen, right? Like, like someone, you know, does a terrible thing and it affects their family, their friends, all of the people impacted. But I think the same is true for really good things. And it doesn't have to be that massive moment. It could just be writing a letter to someone because you might then inspire that person to write to someone, to then write to someone and write to someone. And before you know it, you've, you know, you've started a wave of sort of positivity. And mm-hmm. um, I want people to believe that they, that they also hold the power to inspire sort of how Phoenix in the book discovers that power himself. Oh my gosh. I tell you, that was the best wow. part of the book. That mm-hmm. was the best yeah. part. I'm, my, I love it. My mom this. always says that too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah. because just when you think there's no hope, then all of a sudden, no, I can't, I don't want to ruin it for other people. You've got to read the book, people. <laughs> yeah. You have to read this book. <laughs> yes. Um, I bet that many people have reached out to you about your book after reading it and how it affected them and started writing their own letters. Uh, is there anything you can share with us about that and what it's meant to you? 
Yeah, you know, a tremendous amount. Um, and it's been obviously so exciting and, and just, uh, you know, like a really beautiful thing. And um, I think for me, I, it's, it's, it's stepping into and, 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 and accepting the fact that um, I'm the person that wrote this book. Like, it, it is the odd sort of out-of-body thing because mm-hmm. for so long this story existed in my life and I'd been sort of hanging on to it because I felt like I needed it, you know, and, and I know that sounds strange, but um, I almost tinkered with and sort of messed with this story for an, probably an extra year knowing it was ready and knowing, um, you know, the impact it was going to have, but just not being ready for that. And uh, once I did feel like I was ready, um, I don't even think I still was. Like it's been so incredibly overwhelming and sort of inspiring at the same time. And, you know, I've had friends, I've had old you know, people I've never met telling me that this book has um, changed their perspective on life and, and been a life-changing experience. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a very overwhelming feeling, to be completely honest, but I think it is one that um, it, it, it proves to me sort of the, the hopefulness I have in humanity does exist and it's very inspiring too. You know, it's, it's something that Mm -hmm. um, I think will lead to even in bigger and bigger avenues ahead. I think we're just getting started. So I'm trying to get some sleep at night, but it it seems like the the amount of things going on are just piling up every day and it's hard to keep up, but I've got, you know, I've got good people around me that are helping me out. So. Oh, good. You need a good support system. Well, I want to thank you for answering my questions. I may come up with something else later, but I do have my co-hosts here that took the time to write their own questions. So we're going to go ahead and start with David. Hey, J.D., it's a pleasure to speak with you tonight. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, David. Thank you. My question is, and it's probably a pretty general one, um, there's an old adage that goes up, has uh, come and gone from writers. It says, all writers hate writing, but love having written. So how did you break that cycle so beautifully? That's a great question because I obviously like, I've, you know, as we've already discussed, I, I love writing. I actually feel quite the opposite. I, I think I enjoy that part of it the most. And I think, I think, you know, it's, it's never worked to me, right? Like, I, I think when people say, you know, you do something you love, you never work a day in your life, it's, that's obviously very true. And I think for me, I never was writing. Like, I was never – I never began – I never started my career as a writer to be an author. I just loved the idea of writing stories, and, and that came kind of pouring out of me. And um, – Gosh, that, that realization in that moment when that idea strikes, like when I, when Darling, You're Not Alone first came into my head, I just had to stop and pull over, you know, because as I was driving, as I mentioned, all my thoughts come to me when I'm driving. Um, and I almost started just crying right there. I couldn't believe how uh, shocking the, the, the re- realization was. And um, I think about that moment all the time, and it's like you almost miss it, you know, because the act of doing it is just sort of capturing that lightning in a bottle, but... Yeah, I'm excited for when the next Mm -hmm. one will strike, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my second question goes along with this one, um, almost. So I, I am starting to be captivated by the character of Phoenix. So who is he most patterned? Who did you pattern him after? You know, so I had uh, I had a really good friend named Andrew Pickles, who was a college teammate of mine, and um, he was such a gifted uh, individual and so intelligent and so smart and kind of like very introspective in that way. And um, he actually gave me a, a book that had letters from all my best friends um, written inside of it, and. I, I mentioned it in the acknowledgments of the project, but he was someone that kind of inspired the character of Phoenix in that way. Not so much as a characteristic, but more like just the sense of him going around and um, 
talking to people and meeting strangers and, and kind of putting together a project that hopefully could help inspire someone. And cause he did that for me. And it was sort of a part of the idea for this book was I got from him doing that for me. Um, so I would say he was someone that, uh, you know, was a kind of Phoenix uh, characteristic. Oh, that sounds, that sounds wonderful. I look forward to finishing the book. I'm just getting started. So the way you've, oh, you've got a journey, so far, you've got a journey ahead of you for sure. Right? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. A huge, huge journey. Uh, yeah. You're going to be you torn too. apart and put back mm-hmm. together better yeah. than you ever thought you could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I love All right. it. I love it. Thank you, David. And next up, we have Candace. Hello. How are you? Candace, I'm I'm doing tremendous. I just love all the different voices I'm getting to hear today. This is great. Yeah, this is normally not my voice. I have a cold right, right now because <laughs> because this my lovely my up, lovely Candace. students. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it. My lovely students. Uh, you got Miss Candace sick, but I love you guys anyway because I know some of the parents are gonna be listening to this. So, yeah, that's what happens when you are a childcare teacher. So, but still, shout sure. out to the well, childcare teacher. I hope I hope you're feeling better. Thank you. If you think she okay. sounds sexy now, wait till she blows her nose. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh right now. Okay, so I'm going to switch my questions around because I think the fir- this question, which was my original second question, is going to flow into to the first question I originally have. So in 10 years, where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself writing more books or maybe going into screenwriting? or maybe a movie or a play? Yeah, I think uh, it's something I've thought about a lot. I've, you know, for my first novel, Moonflower, uh, it was, uh, there was a lot of interest in that, that film being adapted, or that book being adapted into a film. So I actually did write the screenplay sort of in the works in uh, conjunction with, uh, the, you know, the new book. Like I'm, I'm involved in a lot of the meetings for that and talks for that. Uh, and that's still a very, very ongoing process. Um, so I think I'll always have a hand in uh, the, the the book to screen transition for anything I write. Um, but I think that, to answer your question, that level of involvement will vary depending on the project. Like I think as, you know, my novel career gets busier, I don't see myself being as maybe in directly involved with that process, if that makes sense. But um, ten years from now, gosh, I'll be I'll be thirty eight. So I will. Oh, uh, so old. <laughs> oh, poor baby. Yeah. I will. Uh, I will hopefully be a few more books in, um, and uh, maybe maybe meeting some of you guys in person to t- to talk more. And um, yeah, I, I uh, I'm not sure what the future holds for me uh, in ten years from now, but I'm hoping I'm hoping for more more books and more stories to tell. Well, just so you're aware, you have to come to Chicago for me. You have to go to Boston for Candace. Candace. No, you both are for Candace. I'm in Baltimore. Baltimore. Okay. And New York for David and Miami for Anthony. So you have some traveling to do. Yeah, okay. That's good. We all have a safe speed to sleep in. (laughs) There you go. Cool. So this is why I said I I decided to flip my questions around because this actually goes into the second question. So I read the premise of both Darling, You're Not Alone and Moonflower. And it's funny that you said that you're, that, you know, trying to adopt it because I said both of the premise sounds like a really good movie that I would watch. So since you do have your hands sort of in it, I'm going to put casting director to this as well. If you had to pick two leads, for Phoenix and Luke, who would you pick and why? It's a great question. Um, for Phoenix, hmm. well, Phoenix is an interesting one because in the book, he has three different ages. He's 10, he's 15, and he's 16. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think that character may be able to, like 10, 10 would have to be a different actor for sure, but 15 and 16 yeah. obviously can be contained in the same thing. But and I'm a huge fan of Stranger Things. Um, that was another yeah. show that I think had a certain level of uh, of impact on me. So I guess my simple answer would be I would I would try to cast one of the kids from one of those shows because I think they're so talented. Um, I like 
I mean, their acting is incredible. Uh, the show is so great. It's so well done. I, I like the, the sort of vibe in terms of uh, the, the uh, I guess, sort of the mood the, the, the show leaves you with. So I think I, I kind of match that in a way. I try to. So I would say that. And then for Luke, um, that's a tough one. Again, because I think, I think the age is, is, is younger. So I think I've thought, to be honest, I've thought a lot more about, like, other characters in that in those in those uh projects and who their their roles and leads could be um because luke would be someone that you know it's a dynamic character i mean luke was such a impactful person at such a young age that whoever we did cast that would have to match that uh it wouldn't probably wouldn't be someone i guess everyone would know about it'd be such a young actor i guess that's probably the best way to answer that yeah well, yeah. there's some of our soap operas that have young kids that play uh, incredible parts. Dynamic, yeah. And, yeah, and so if you ever need <laughs> to, to mm-hmm. ask around, ask us. We can tell you the good ones. <laughs> hey, I would love that. I would love that. I'll, I'll have to circle back, and uh, I'll put you in touch with uh, the ones who make those calls uh, on our end because I'm uh, I'm certainly I'm certainly intrigued by, like, the concept of trying to cast a certain individual for a certain role, but I have found that I do get uh, sort of like um, bias in terms of like my selections. Like I, I fall in love with characters from, from shows they've been on that I've seen when necessarily maybe the best fit is someone I don't know anything about. Um, so right. I've kind of I've been better about delegating in terms of like those decisions. And, you know, there was even like some talk about me trying to act in Moonflower for the film. And I was like, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. So, it's, well, you uh, gotta have a, a cameo. A, you have to do the cameo, yeah. like a cameo yeah. appearance yeah. by you as you know the mailman. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And you, yeah, or you could, be, and you could be delivering a copy of your book. <laughs> yeah, there you I go. I would love that. I would a love big to advertisement that. there, right there in the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> or handing a letter for you're not alone. There you go. There you go. Right. That's what I said. A mailman, we've, like, I think, literally, like, I think we've just figured okay. it out. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. we've just there figured you go. it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Candace, for your questions. And no last problem. but not least, we have Anthony. Hey. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I just have to say, uh, <laughs> darling, you are not alone. Um, I've read over 10,000 books at this point. I, I used to keep a tally, but at this point, it's 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 a move mm-hmm. point. I'm over 10,000. We're good. Um, but, you know, having said that, I have uh, three questions for you. One is a very easy question. The other two are a little bit introspective. Being, I'm someone, I played baseball all through high school and college. I played for Hofstra, but I ended up being becoming a journalist. How hard or easy was it for you to put the sports life on the shelf and dive completely into the second life as, you know, an author, basically? Yeah, well, Anthony, thank you for you know taking the time to ask the questions and to read the book. Thousand, you've got. I hope I hope I'm uh, in the upper half oh, of that. Oh, it's, it's high. <laughs> it's no, it's 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 top twenty for sure. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, thank you, thank you for that, man. That's that's very kind. I, uh, um, how easy was it for me to put sports on the shelf? You know, oddly enough, it was very easy. Um, it was sort of a seamless transition because. You know, my first novel, Moonflower, was written about, as I mentioned, my best friend, Luke Laden, that passed away from sickle cell disease. And he was someone who was my biggest fan. And he was someone that used to go to all my games in high school and even in college. And he tragically passed away at the age of 10. And I was a sophomore in college at this time, and I was 21. And, you know, when he passed away, it was a real earth-shattering moment and it was one that made me really want to rethink my entire life and suddenly sports just didn't seem the same without him there in the stands cheering me on and uh, that was when I found writing and when I found this idea to write a story about him and I just sort of knew that my basketball life had uh, taken me to all the places it could and I needed something different so yeah it was sort of a, a very seamless transition into uh into you know the pen and paper 
So my second question, um, you've given your audience a, a glimpse into what the life of faith can be and, and more importantly, what having, you know, faith in the own within can give to you. Did you worry at all that it would tarnish or, you know, or that you wouldn't have the audience if it, if it ended up being put out there as a faith-based novel? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, it's one I did obviously think quite a bit about while writing this novel. Um, and I think, I, I think the, the method with which I try to write is to not worry about what people will think and write the story that I think is, is best suited for the, you know, the world I'm creating and, the spirituality aspect and, and, you know, otherworldliness of Darling, You're Not Alone, to me, was something that was, wasn't, I would say, religious, but just uh, spiritual, out of this world, mm-hmm. in touch with the angels, and a little bit kind of like yeah. the Five People You Meet in Heaven from Mitch Albom, which was a book that I yes. read and was so touched by, you know, despite um, the fact that it did contain this, this otherworldly element, and uh, yeah, once I once I sort of had that thought, I knew uh, I could tell a really great story. And but I I do think too, you know, people will say and and have their ideas no matter what. Um, so you got to just kind of accept that certain people may want to put it in one category or another, and that's totally okay. Um, and you know, it's it's kind of up to each person that reads it to make that decision. But my hope was that I wrote a book that didn't didn't uh, make that overtly clear either way. No, I think it was it was so well done. You know, there's nothing that's pounding over your head. It's sort of like if you want to digest it, it's there. And if you don't, it's just the seasoning that you never know. You know, you get a chicken dish, mm. and there's 27 seasonings in it, and you have no idea, only the top three do you ever really kind of put your finger on. Um, sure. So my last sure. question, and, and I really want to thank you for giving us your time tonight. My last question comes with just a tiny bit of a story. Um when my nanny, my, my dad's mom passed away, we were in the, the funeral home for the wake. Italians do three days, you know, three nights, one day, we cry, we scream, we drink, we, you know, all of those things. And sure. on the last night, a person walked into the room who none of us knew, and she started handing out handwritten letters in envelopes. And, you know, we all got all of the grandkids, all of her kids, my, my grandmother birthed 11 children. God bless her soul. I don't know how she did it. Um, but we all got letters from her. I'm so inspired by, by the letter writing campaign. What, you know, what message do you have to folks out there who really have never put pen to paper? They've only texted. They've only emailed. What message, and by saying this, when I tell you that, I still have this letter. I, I had it laminated at one point because I knew it would, you know, start to disintegrate. How many times I opened it up, unfolded it, folded it back up, put it in the envelope that she gave it. I'm sorry. I'm getting, I'm actually getting emotional, but mm-hmm. you know, you know, increasing and increasing, I knew it would fall apart. So I had to have it laminated. What message do you have to folks who may never have put pen to paper? Why is this so important? Why, why, why put pen to paper and send a letter to someone? Well, Anthony, that's such a touching story, man. And I thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I mean, that's, that's beautiful. And that's, that's sort of exactly the, uh, the, the hope, right, would be that anyone who reads this book, could, could, it makes them sort of remember maybe a really cherished moment with a loved one that had passed. Or, um, but hopefully, you know, it'd be like a, a hopeful thing and a, and a positive, uplifting thing. Um, but yeah, I think I think to answer your, your question, what would my message be to people who have never put pen to paper is um, you don't have to be a writer to tell someone they're not alone. Um, that's something that we all can do a better job of and in as few words as you like, I think is a really powerful thing no matter what. And some of the most important, impactful moments, you know, in, in the terms of letters I've received have been the least words and you know, there's a famous yes. quote, I, I forget who writes it, but it's, uh, if I'd have had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. 
um, you know, giving off the idea that like the more time you put into something, the more you realize you really don't have to say that much. And yeah, um, yeah, I would just say, you know, don't be afraid to to let your ideas flow and, and share just just some small note with someone. Um, but you know, the important thing being, you're just letting them know that they're not alone. And no matter what you say or after that, is uh, is just gonna just gonna help support that message. And uh, we all need to try and do a better job of that. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, yeah thank, thank you, you, Anthony, and thank you for sharing that story. I know it's rough because I've got a similar situation in my life, and, and it's not easy to talk about loved ones that have passed, and all you have are memories and, you know, a letter or a piece of clothing or a piece of jewelry or something like that, and it just means the world to you because that's all you have left to connect yourself with them at that moment. I will so, yeah. say, though, that the letter means so much more than, mm-hmm. you know, a piece of jewelry or a yeah. little check or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's them speaking to you, you know, so that's, it yep. does make a difference. Um, I have to ask you, I read that you only write while you listen to music. What kind of music do you listen to? <laughs> <laughs> Oh you God. would think well, that it uh... would it would confuse your thoughts when you're listening to lyrics of music. So this is why I'm asking. Yeah, well, it's a funny. Oh God, thing JD, because... don't please don't say Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then that was everything, just everything good you guys took away would would just disintegrate there. Uh, <laughs> no, I. It's funny. I mean, look, I you know in college, studying could never listen to music. Uh, that for some reason, yeah, jumbled my thoughts. I couldn't focus. Uh, even writing emails today and, and, and doing sort of like, you know, busy work, can't listen to music. It, it distracts me. But when I'm writing, um, it I, I'm taken to a different place. Like it almost feels as if, and it's, you know, the irony in this is obviously it, it's, it's very relatable to the novel, but it feels like someone else is doing the writing and I'm just sitting there watching. And... Mm-hmm. Um, when I listen to music, yeah, it just, it just almost sort of takes over, but to speak on it more, um, I, I guess sort of like, uh, you know, directly is the, is, I guess the best word I, can. I will in fact, listen to one song repeatedly over and over again. You know, I mean, I'm talking like hours to the point where I think it does sort of become background noise and that's when mm-hmm. I can start to write. Um, and there are, plenty of songs that have become that um, to me. Like I, lo- I listen to a lot of Frank Ocean, uh, Bonnie Bear, uh, Michael Kiwanuka, um, Elton John, um, Led Zeppelin. Uh, t- I mean, a v- wide variety of, of yeah. musicians. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I, I do share and I, I tell people, though, is I actually kind of, uh, not kind of, I do this, is I... Uh, once a music or a song gets attached to a specific project, I leave it as uh, that song for that book and that book alone. And once only, I only listen to it while I'm writing that, that book. And I, I almost sort of feel like I'm capturing the magic within that song to help me write that book. And I don't listen to it outside of that. And so all of the music I listen to for Darling, You're Not Alone are not songs I listen to any longer. And uh, I think for that reason, that's that's sort of how I keep the uh, the magic of the music alive. Very interesting. Wow. Very, very interesting. Yeah. I would, very deep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, do you have an idea for a third novel, or no? It's a, it's a. Oh, uh, you're not telling. Spoiler alert. <laughs> 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 Uh, absolutely. I, uh, okay. I, I'm in the, I'm in the works on the third, uh, as we speak, but it's, it's become, uh, sort of a little bit out of my control. I, I've said in terms of the, the, the release date with which that project will be, be out. And, um, I think there is still a ways to go in terms of its, uh, you know, completion, but yeah, the third one is, is definitely in, in motion and, uh, 
wow, I really, I really enjoy it. It's a great, it's a really cool story. So I, I can't wait for you guys to read it too. I can't wait. I'm telling you, I didn't get to read your first book yet because I only found about, uh, found out about you, you know, through Darling. And so I'm going to go back and read Moonflower. And by the time I'm done with that, which is only a couple of days, mind you, I'm a fast reader. I expect a third one to be done. <laughs> <laughs> Darling took Frick me you about to come back for the third one. So, so we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, we'll be ready and waiting when you have it done, and we'd welcome you back any time to discuss your future projects. Oh, I, so. would, I would love to come back. You guys are tremendous. I mean, I these are some of the best questions I've ever been asked, and um, you know, I, I hope your readers out there got got or your no, excuse me, not your readers, your listeners out there got something from today. And um, I'm just so appreciative of the opportunity to come on and meet all of you, speak with all of you, and. I'm um, very appreciative of you taking the time to read the project and take something from it. But, yeah, it means a lot. So thank you, guys. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank, thank you, right you. back. You're uh, very welcome. And you put be- some beautiful work into this world. Yes, exactly. Uh, and before you go, would you mind sharing where they can purchase your books and your social media and anything else you would like to put out there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that you could find my books on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, really wherever books are sold, uh, or you can find it on my website, jdwritesbooks.com, uh, and you can follow me on social media at Instagram and Twitter at jd underscore slackert, and uh, there's also a website for the book specifically where there's more information about the You Are Not Alone letter writing campaign called darlingyourenotalone.com where there's more information on me and, and these projects. You can also visit my publisher's website, summerhousepublishing.co. Um, and, yeah, I would just sort of say as like a, like a final message to anyone out there listening to this, wherever you are in the world, um, you matter. You're not alone. You're an important person in this world, and you mean everything to someone. And so continue to be there for them despite whatever it is you're going through. And uh, I, uh, I know that there's, there's better days ahead, so we got to just keep moving. But um, yeah, thank you guys again for having me, and I hope uh, hope anyone out there who hears this enjoys the book, too. I'm sure they will, and thank you again for joining us. You enjoy the rest of your evening, and God bless. Yeah, God yeah, bless. thank you, guys. You guys have a have good, a good holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you as well. You as well. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was wonderful, and let me just spell uh, JD's last name for our listeners because it's not spelled how it sounds. It's S as in Sam, L A J C H E R T, and it's J D, like David, J D Slackert. So be sure to follow him on social media and uh, check out the website that he gave you. It was jdwritesbooks.com and darlingyourenotalone.com. And I want to thank David and Anthony and Candace. Even though Candace didn't feel well, she still joined us. And I'm so happy that you did. I want to thank you guys for being here tonight. Absolutely. And we will be back next month in December. And we'll only be having one show. I have not decided on the date yet because I have a couple things going on. But we will, of course, put that out on social media when it's ready. So be sure to follow us. What about your announcement? Do you have an announcement that maybe the others didn't hear about that you posted yesterday? You're having a baby. No. Oh, yeah. I don't think they know. I don't know what you're talking about. I post a lot of things. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Pandora. Real quick. Oh, Pandora. Oh, You can find yeah. us on Pandora. Oh, yeah, yeah, we just uh, got on to Pandora, so you can look, uh, listen to Take-Two Radio, Take-Two Radio Soaps and Review, as well as Christmas Movie Spotlight. And Christmas Movie Spotlight has its own uh, section as far as, you know, how that works. Like, you, I don't know how to explain that, <laughs> but it's separate, too, it has its own, as well its as own together. categorization. Yeah, that. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So if you just look up Christmas Movie Spotlight, and it's M-U-V-I-E-S, um, you'll find just that um, podcast part, and then you can have it all as well with the 
other two things with Take Two Radio and Take Two Radio Soaps and Review. If all of that makes sense to you. So um, you can find oh, us pretty much yes. anywhere. Yeah. Oh, and we want to mention, since we are soaps, um, we want to say a special prayer and mention oh, to our beloved yes. actor, Johnny yeah. Aston. Yes, who passed thank away. You. Think about it. He debuted in 1985 as Victor Kiriakis and has gone through so many iterations, watching his daughter rise to fame, go through all that she went through, you know, all the things yep. in his personal life. He was such a consummate, consummate, consummate performer. He left it all at the door and then picked it all back up and used it as part of his performance. John, as you take your journey, know that there are so many of us who thank you for all the years that you gave us of your fabulous performances. Now, I will fully admit, many, many times I did not like Victor Kiriakis, but I have always loved John Aniston. Absolutely. And we will talk more about that on the soap show next month, but we want to give our deepest condolences and prayers to uh, the Aniston family and as well as his friends and colleagues because he had many of them. So with that, I want to say thank you again for listening, and we will be back in December. So take care, everybody, and have a blessed night. Gobble, 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 turkey gobble, day. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. Yep. Good night, everyone. Good, good night. Good night.